Welcome to Going Deep, Sports in the 21st Century on Blue Ridge Public Radio. I'm Dr. Marsha Mount Shoup. And I'm Coach John Shoup. John's coached at the highest levels of the game of football for 26 years. And Marsha is an author, theologian, and minister. And we're glad you've joined us to go deep into some of the most pressing issues of our time. On Going Deep, we go beyond the sound bites and highlight reels. This episode of Going Deep, John and I are so excited to welcome Kelsey Davis, co-founder of Christian Athlete Circles. You're going to learn more about what Christian Athlete Circles is in just a few minutes. John and I have talked for years, including episodes of Going Deep, about the absolute monopoly that Fellowship of Christian Athletes and other more evangelical conservative Christian athletic ministries on college campuses has had on on this kind of spiritual formation that's parachurch outside the church for athletes in college and even high school as well and professional athletes as well. So We've talked about this for so long, and I can say that for me, John, meeting Kelsey, finding out about Kelsey and what she and her co-founder, Georgia McKee, are doing is like an answer to prayer. So having, having her here today is a wonderful gift, I will say to me as someone who has been involved not only in this conversation, but in the kind of visceral reality of of the way Christianity has implanted itself in college campuses in a, and the, in a way that can be withering to people like me, a woman, and to LGBTQIA siblings, and also just to all kinds of other folks who don't move um, in a certain way, um, in their life of faith. So, um, John, I know you're excited to, um, to welcome Kelsey Davis here today. Um, so Kelsey, welcome. We are so thankful that you're with us and we'd love for you to introduce yourself to, um, the going deep community, all of our listeners out there. Thanks, Marcia. And thank you, John. It's, it's truly an honor to be on the show with you today and to be connected with both of you. Um, been following both of your, your work and your careers for, for a number of years. So this feels like a um, both a Kairos and a Kronos moment of, of us crossing paths. And, you know, I am, I'm a wife. Um, I'm married to a, a wonderful woman named Heather, and we just had a baby girl named Noah. And uh, so I'm also a parent and a chaplain. Um, I work and serve at the Episcopal Diocese of Western North Carolina here in the Western North Carolina area and and live in Asheville. Um, I also am former professional athlete, collegiate athlete, and uh, a coach as well. Well, we're excited to learn more about all of those things. Um, We especially appreciate you coming and being with us when you're 
baby daughter is only six weeks old. So we know you're a little sleep deprived. And so we appreciate um, you being with us today. I wonder, Kelsey, if you could tell us just a little bit about the origin story of Christian Athlete Circles. Mm. Yeah, so um, Christian Athlete Circles is, has been in formation um, for a number of years. Um, you know, I, I started uh, attending student-athlete ministries in high school, so when I was 16 years old, um, and, and sort of immediately was uh, drawn to a specific space where um, athlete uh, and student and Christian identity could all sort of be held in one container together. Um, and so I've always had a passion for uh, sort of the trifecta of those identities. Um, and as I, I grew up, and went to college, um, I started to, to figure out and find out that uh, I didn't necessarily fit a lot of the structure and uh, belief systems, I guess, of those spaces. And as I was coming into my sexual orientation and into my own identity, challenging my inherited sort of belief systems, challenging my faith, um, I sort of very quickly found myself on the fringe or on the outside of those spaces, um, while at the same time, a, a deepening sort of love of theology and, and spiritual practice uh, was, was happening in me. And so when I got to college at the University of Portland, you know, I started off thinking I was going to be an English teacher and was studying education in English. And then very, very quickly figured out uh, that I had a lot of questions about God, a lot of questions about my Christian tradition, um, and wanted desperately to find a place where I could be nourished as my full self um, and be faithful while doing that. And so I pivoted and ended up studying theology in undergrad, and I minored in education uh, with the thought that I would eventually go on and teach uh, religion or Christian spirituality, and played professionally um, for a couple of years. And, and as, a, as a professional athlete and as a collegiate athlete, um, found that we were on the road all the time. Um, our schedules didn't align with a lot of sort of traditional ministry settings. Um, and so, you know, I found myself in the hallways of hotels with my teammates doing Bible study on the road. And we would just sort of crack open the Bible and start reading and ask questions and pray together. Um, we'd, we'd find church uh, services on the road that we could attend. Um, but we were really self-led in a lot of ways. And um, it was from those experiences of being with my teammates uh, in those hallway settings that I really felt uh, called to be a facilitator of, of those spaces or those pop-up Christian formation spaces. Um, and, and as a pro, uh, I started to also realize the, the platform that athletes hold as well. And so, you know, it was about belonging. It was about um, prayer and, um, and study. And, and also it was about, uh, you know, action of, of what does our Christian faith say about uh, who we're called to be and what we're called to do in the world um, 
to help the world become, you know, I think what, what God dreams for it to be a place of, of equity and of flourishing for, for everybody. And so, you know, I started to, these pieces started to come together and um, I still was looking around for, for a space that, that all of this could sort of come into cohesion and couldn't find it. Went to divinity school um, and pushed all of the sports stuff, all of the athlete identity to the side. Um, it was really a time of deep grieving for me as I transitioned from being a collegiate and professional athlete, um, having coached to then uh, taking up this call to ministry. And so I pushed it down and I pushed it down and I refused to write any papers on uh, sort of sports chaplaincy or or athletic anything um, and instead turned my gaze towards uh, the LGBTQIA um, community and what needed to be done at the time in Middle Tennessee around organizing, uh, specifically in, in the Episcopal Church um, and in the city of Nashville, to help uh, help us come along. And uh, graduated from Divinity School, and and found myself still sort of bugged with this question of of who's caring, um, who's caring for athletes, Marcia, as you said that either identify in in our rainbow family who are allied to our rainbow family um, or who are and or who are seeking to have a place where their questions of faith in the spiritual life um, can live and be nourished instead of uh, repressed or shamed. Kind of long story short, uh, I got a call from a dear friend of mine at St. Augustine's Episcopal Chapel on Vanderbilt's campus, uh, named named Scott Owings, and he said, "I have a I have someone that really you know you need to meet," and it was Georgia, and Georgia and I had one phone conversation together, and realized, oh my goodness, I th- I thought I was the only one, and I said to her after that call, I "said Georgia, what if?" What if instead of looking around for someone else to create the thing we're longing for and have been longing for, what if, what if we do it together? And what if we see if there are other people out in the world who would want to be part of the co-creation and the founding of another way and another option um, that's faithful and loving um, and that doesn't exist yet? She said yes, and um, so the the inkling of CAC was born. And over the past, uh, I would say, two years, we've had listening sessions with different communities of athletes, of coaches, of ministers, campus chaplains, basically saying, um, "What's your story? Uh, where do you where do you find your spiritual home? What would you imagine and dream for this?" And we've spent two years listening and learning and seeking and praying and got up enough courage um, by meeting enough of our community members who said, yes, um, do it. And how can I join? We now are officially 
launching Christian Athlete Circles, um, and we just received a grant from the Episcopal Church to to do this ministry um, and to create the toolkit that we hope will equip and empower student athletes uh, on their campuses to start their own circles. beautiful story indeed yeah. i so appreciate the story and i so wish that something like this was available when not just when i was in high school and in college as an athlete but really throughout my co- coaching career as well as marcia kind of indicated there's one brand of Christianity that really dominates the world of, well, the world I was in was big time football, but I'd say FCA is that brand of Christianity that is in many ways, hyper-masculine is uh, in many ways has been explained to me as incredibly simple, just do everything that's in the Bible and follow this. This is a simple religion. And anytime I would ask a question, anytime I would want to dig deeper into something, the conversation was halted. And in fact, Marshall will tell you a story where she was asked not to come back to a Bible study. One of the things that I like about Christian athlete circles, when I read about it, the word wrestling with comes up a lot. I appreciate the sense of that you don't have all the answers. You talk about even interfaith dialogue. I mean, on teams that I've been a part of, we've had Jewish members of the team, uh, Muslim members of the team, agnostics, atheists, certainly all brands of Christianity on this team, including straight people and gay people on the roster. Yet there was only one brand of this Christianity. Could you talk about your mission of wrestling with and also dig into like how this interfaith dialogue can enhance your life as a Christian, not compromise it. Yes, to all of that. Um, and and Marcia, I too have been asked not to come back. Um, so I resonate with you. So the 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 piece of uh, about wrestling, there's a really, uh, I think, hopeful statistic that academics and theologians have noticed and spiritual Christian spiritual leaders have noticed in the New Testament. And that is that Jesus asked, questioned, asked some over some odd, like 300 questions in the New Testament. He asked over 300 questions in the New Testament. And he answered arguably less than 10 of those questions. And so if we are to be followers of Christ and to take Jesus seriously as, as, as our savior, as our, our redeemer, our Lord, 
uh, as a central centerpiece of our faith, then wouldn't it make sense then to follow his lead into asking more questions than we, we answer? And also, wouldn't it make more sense then uh, to help each other learn how to live with questions and how to live into those questions as they shape us rather than trying to repress or to shame um, the questions and the realities of what we're facing. Um, What I know to be true about God, um, if you look at the wisdom of of the entirety of, of scripture, is that there is a place for questioning there is a place for lamentation, which is, is a really sort of big word to say uh, grieving and um, proclaiming and trying to move through the things that um, are hard about life and in the ways that we suffer as human beings. And that, you know, I, I think about Jacob wrestling with God and when you actually, as athletes, you think about a wrestler on the mat with, with, with another wrestler and the intimacy and the closeness it takes to actually engage in that wrestling. And what if, what if God is, is truly in that wrestling? And what if we see wrestling as a form of, of spiritual intimacy with God in a deepening of our relationship rather than a drawing, uh, drawing us from it? Thanks for joining us for this episode of Going Deep, sports in the 21st century here on Blue Ridge Public Radio. More soon. Welcome back to Going Deep. Today, our guest is Kelsey Davis, co-founder of the Christian Athlete Circles an LGBTQI-affirming ministry movement for athletes. She's a resident here in Western North Carolina. You know, I I did not grow up in the church. I came into Christianity as a teenager. Um, You know, I've always been exposed to people from all sorts of walks of life, all meaning-making systems, went to a divinity school um, that held up that uh, interfaith dialogue, that wisdom traditions only enhances our understanding of who God is, and that not any one of us possesses full knowledge of of who God is. And so seeing God more like a, a prism that has many sides, that we need each other's wisdom and experiences um, in order to be more fully human um, and to be more fully spiritual beings. You know, I learned New Testament in divinity school from a Jewish scholar. Everything that I try to do and be as a Christian, secure in my faith, secure in my tradition, and hopefully humble enough to know that I don't have all the answers and either does Christianity, except yeah. to say, the wisdom is that we deeply need each other. We need to give a shout out to Vanderbilt Divinity School. Kelsey and I are both 
alums of Vanderbilt Divinity School, and I learned from the same feminist Jewish scholar that that Kelsey did, Amy Jill Levine. And in fact, my New Testament professor in college was also a Jewish woman, Beth Glazier McDonald. So I've only learned New Testament um, from Jewish women. And it and it is such a gift in my own faith formation. And I'll say some of my deepest lessons around spiritual practice came from a Tibetan Buddhist monk that I taught with and learned from when I was getting my PhD at Emory. Those those relationships are such sources of flourishing. So, Kelsey, there are a lot of people listening to this that would not even consider themselves a person of faith, much less a Christian. And that, for me, that has been one of the biggest parts of the sadness, the grief, the lamentation, to use your word, around the way Christianity um, takes up space on college campuses at such a formative time in human life when young adults are finding their way, they're defining themselves, they're finding their people, they're they're getting feedback from their community around what's okay and what's not okay. And it always really grieved me. I can feel myself getting a little choked up that um, a lot of the players that John coached, they did not fit into those little boxes that football wanted them to fit into. I can think of a few players, especially who were really awesome artists, really amazing singers, really like loved drama and acting. I can think of some players who were, you know, closeted gay men who were afraid of that ever coming out. Um, and, you know, John used to, on Fridays, he would have in his quarterback room, he would have a current event Friday or just a day when we could, they could talk about anything. They could bring any question that they wanted. And sometimes I would be an invited guest, you know, (laughs) and we would talk about religion and those were always just such beautiful times. They had so many questions They just wanted a safe place to talk about those questions. At the same time that John was kind of creating this really generative space and open space and affirming space, there was this really strong current of there's a team chaplain, which this is on state universities, you know. And there, and there was always this gray area around, you know, is this an employee of the college or like, how do they have so much access to the players? And some of them, some places like Auburn have an office in the football office. Little known fact, a lot of this is funded by head coaches out of their own pockets who are part of FCA or Campus Crusade for Christ or other groups that that underwrite the presence of these of these chaplains and there was there was total access and there was also 
a kind of um, an alarmist narrative put up around those who were not following that path. Like if you're talking about this, that's bad. If you are asking these questions, that's bad. If you are not a part of these FCA huddles, you know, if you don't come to the prayer thing, you know, you're not really a part of this team. In fact, John had been on teams before where coaches got up and said, we're, we're losing because everybody doesn't follow Jesus. (laughs) You know, I mean, that was said, am I right, John? That was said. those athletes in an unbelievably compromised situation, but as their coach as well, yeah, they wouldn't go to the head coach. They'd, they'd come to me. Like, yeah. I, why do I have to stay for this Bible study? Why do I, why am I required to go to this? And so, yes, that did. And why happen. am I being shamed that I'm not this sort of believer? And I guess, but the question I'm getting to you for, for you, Kelsey, is for those who are listening or like, I ain't Christian. I don't, you know, why do I care about this? I'm not even a person of faith. All that stuff is messing mm-hmm. up the world. I would say, I hear you. I acknowledge that there is a degree of deep grief that I have for the way siblings in the faith move around the, the world. And Part of what is exciting about what you're and you and Georgia and others are doing, Kelsey, is that I truly believe that the formation of of human beings, not around certainty, but around community, support, listening devoutly to one another, making space for the questions we can't answer finding ways to really honor different ways of seeing the world and making meaning out of life. That's going to be what saves the world, (laughs) you know? And so I wonder, what would you say to, to one of our listeners? It's like, eh. First, I would say, tell me more. Tell me, tell me your experience of, of Christianity. Um, Because whatever they're about to say in response to that, I would say, I believe you. Um, part of why I'm still a Christian after all of this is, uh, that I believe that Christianity still has something to say about hope and healing and the transformation of the world. But part of what makes hope real is that it tells the truth first. And so I would start with, uh, I want to hear your truth. And I want to hear the truth of what Christianity has done. And then I'd like to to apologize for that as a Christian. And I think we need to start there. The second thing is that for too too many years, Christianity has prioritized this order of events. You have to believe the right things. You have to behave the right way in order to belong here. And so it's been this, this system of coercion and control of people's minds and hearts and bodies before you can even get to the place of belonging and a feeling like you can show up. And so at, at CAC, that's why we're flipping it. Like you belong in this space 
however you identify, like, yes, we're rooted in the Christian tradition, but however you identify, wherever you are on your journey, this isn't about trying to coerce or convert you into Christianity. This is about hospitality and love to say you deserve a place to process what you've inherited, what's happened to you spiritually and in your, your faith journey and your meaning making journey and to have a community in which to give voice to that, to be witnessed because what our society wants to do is to say it's an all or nothing. Uh, either you're fully in and you, you fully believe all this stuff um, or you need to completely abandon it and completely shut it out and walk away. And I just, I just reject that. Um, I think that there's a middle space for us to say, how can we accompany each other on our spiritual and faith journeys? And I say spiritual and faith, because what I would also say to the, to the listener, that you may not identify with, with Christianity as a religion. Um, or as a tradition, and each and every one of us as human beings are also spiritual beings. And so this may or not may not be a circle where you ultimately end up finding community or it's, it's for you. My hope, though, is that it would be a place where you could pop in and be loved and nourished and nurtured with no actual no strings attached. accompaniment literally means to bring, to come with bread, to bring bread. And so the hope with Christian athlete circles is that uh, we would be a place that uh, you would be able to come and, and receive bread for your journey and to be nourished and to be loved and maybe pick up some resources or some practices uh, or some com community for your backpack and, and keep on trucking uh, to wherever your spiritual home is. Yeah. And so CAC is more of a chaplaincy model, a sheltering on a journey mm -hmm. model than it is. Uh, mm -hmm. We're going to establish an office in an athletic department uh, and, and you better adhere to or else. I like the idea of accompaniment, accompaniment rather than coercion. And I think part of why this other brand of Christianity has fit so well in the world of football is football does want to turn people into soldiers. Just here's what you believe. Here's how you behave. And we coerce you into that. There's not much room to go outside the lines. And so your idea of company versus coerce really, really resonates with me thank you for that that's an important point john of like the fertile ground and in athletics for kind of this model of obedience no questions asked just faith is just blind you know just agreement or whatever and no questions of, asked yeah that's a and, good and and how that Again, this we can zoom out from college campuses and college athletes and how much 
capitalism wants that from us too, right? Don't ask too many questions. Don't push against these norms that we're telling you, this is who you are. We're telling you you're self-interested. We're telling you, you just want to make a profit. That's what you want. (laughs) And when you're like, actually, no, I really don't. (laughs) I just want to live without fear and have people that love me and and really be in a supportive atmosphere where I can like be myself. Like, I don't know where the profit is in that, but I kind of just want to be like capitalism doesn't really want us to question and it doesn't want our faith to be a vehicle of questioning. And that's why this certain brand of Christianity and capitalism have been such really successful partners is they, they really help each other out a ton because they're based on fear and, and also this really deep kind of self-loathing, which is, I'm just a profit seeker. I'm just selfish. I'm just horrible. And if without Jesus, I'm going to hell. What I hear you saying is it's like, we're really not grasping at numbers or, or, you know, any sort of like, even social capital, really, it's more really about like, even if you only come once, if your body gets a kind of download, some visceral data of like, oh, that's what it feels like to belong somewhere. Mm -hmm. And actually be, it's okay that I was just myself, like having one data point of that in your life (laughs) is better than not having any. So I really like how you've flipped what the the kind of goal is in a way it really is just about humanizing a moment trusting a moment trusting a circle of people when you and i talked a few weeks ago you told me a little bit more about why you chose to put that Christian in the name, because, you know, you could have easily said, we don't really want to be associated with the Christians, you know, even though we're Christian, we're going to try to veil that like a lot of, you know, non-denominational churches where they just say, we're the loft or, you know, whatever they, (laughs) you don't really know what's going on there, but But you intentionally chose to foreground Christian. And I really appreciate like that kind of resolve to reappropriate the term, repackage it in a way. Can you say a little bit about that and how how that's important to kind of how you're doing things and and what you're doing? Full transparency. this the the concept of all of this started out as athlete circles and it lived in that sort of namesake for a few years because i wasn't ready to fully come out as a christian that i i am fully aware or i i hope i'm fully aware deeply aware of of the harm that christianity has done um, in so many ways, to, to assume that identity and to label this with the word Christian, it holds a lot of weight um, and also a lot of responsibility. 
And I wasn't, I wasn't fully uh, ready in my own theology and, and groundedness to say, you know what, I'm ready to, to come out and to, to reclaim what I believe Christianity is trying to do and, and what Christianity is, is saying is still possible. And it took a lot of therapy and, and soul work, a lot of time in silence and prayer to, to really listen and to dig deep into why I'm still a Christian, uh, why I would choose to align myself with Christianity as a queer cisgender woman that's experienced a lot of, of trauma and pain from the church, um, that's watched Christianity kill bodies of color and justify it by faith claims. You know, why would I still choose to align myself with this, this religion? And so as I did that deep work, um, I came to a place where I said, okay, it, it's really important that um, this be Christian athlete circles, that, that there's sort of two coming outs, that we are Christian and we are unapologetically LGBTQIA affirming. So we come out twice. And we say that it is possible for these two identities that have historically been uh, juxtaposed, that these two identities can exist together in loving community. And it, it's faithful, and we, we take our faith seriously. Um, you know, I'm a theologian. I love, I love doing theology. I love the Bible. Um, I love the exegetical work and the hermeneutical work of, of reading scripture. Those are really big words, but basically I love getting into it and I take the Bible seriously. And so in doing this, um, my hope is to create space at the table uh, that, that maybe, and, and hasn't been there before to say, no, 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 we're doing this and we are Christians too. And there's a way of Christianity that can hold this all together, that's, that's faithful, and that takes Jesus seriously. Um, and so I didn't want to shy away from that. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Going Deep, Sports in the 21st Century here on Blue Ridge Public Radio. Welcome back. To going deep sports in the 21st century where we are grateful for this conversation with the co-founder of christian athlete circles kelsey davis the clutches of christians or jesus followers that are lgbtqi affirming that are maybe centering questions of social transformation that that we just gave up we just seeded the conversation this kind of athletic pipeline to discipleship. We just said, you can have it. I think part of what we're seeing in, in the conversation around sports justice, that conversation is so diminished by the absence of a collective voice of justice seeking people of faith. It's like, there's just this vacuum. You don't hear other Christian collectives that have a foothold in college sports like the FCA, you don't hear them saying anything about name, image, and likeness. You don't hear them saying anything about due process. You don't hear them saying anything about the NCAA being 
a plantation system. You know, you don't, you don't hear them talking about that because they don't bring a critical analysis to what it means to be an athlete in a capitalist culture with the current discourse on college campuses around these justice issues for athletes that are sign on the dotted line for the NCAA. You use the word action. Are Christian athlete circles going to have any activist voice? Is that going to be a place where athletes can organize and talk about these things and get some information, get resources? I mean, there's a lot of secrecy around how athletes are even given a framework for understanding these issues. So one of the greatest gifts I received in learning New Testament from Amy Jo Levine was that we would wrestle with scripture, we'd make meaning of our our Christian tradition, and AJ would always say, so what? What does that mean for how this impacts the world? And she always invited us into action. Um, that the gospel and action are synonymous with each other. That because I am a Christian, because of my faith, I'm called to do. And so the hope with Christian athlete circles is that it would be a place where that discernment can happen, where athletes can ask, what is mine to do? And how do I do it? And not only how can I be of service, but shift from models of charity and service, though important, to models of solidarity and accompaniment in terms of social transformation. And that we are, I can imagine our circle sitting around a bonfire and sharing, sharing stories with each other and in those circles discerning what is the work of that circle to do on their campus or in their city as it relates to to social transformation. Um, It it doesn't surprise me that uh, there is sort of a veil um, in other other ways and other spaces. And I believe that, uh, that, that each and every one of us, whether or not you're an athlete, we all have a responsibility and a call, a vocational call to share our gifts um, in order for our society to be a place that is more loving and life-giving and liberating. And, you know, you, you spoke about um, what I would say, the commodification of athletes. And, uh, you know, my hope in the activism is that there would be a deepening of of what it means for each athlete to experience dignity and their own humanity um, and that they would feel equipped and empowered to go into into their spaces um, and find their voice and use their voice with a community celebrating them behind them. And the reason why the action is part of our pillars, I guess you could say, is because I really believe in in linking faith and and contemplation and spiritual nourishment and practice 
with action and with doing. And both those things have to be held together in community. I know so many activists who have forgotten their spiritual practice and nourishment and are burned out. And I know a lot of people who do a lot of spiritual practice and who are, who are believers of all sorts who have forgotten the so what question. And so for me at CAC, my hope is that, that we would be the both and, um, that those two aspects would continue to work uh, in tandem together. As of this week, we have officially partnered with Athlete Ally, which is an amazing nonprofit organization uh, that's working to end homophobia and transphobia in in sport across the board um, and to activate the athletic community um, in in their leadership to champion LGBTQIA plus equality. Um, and so Athlete Allies doing a ton of policy work, resources, um, education um, across campuses in the professional athlete realm. Um, they're, they're pretty an amazing organization. And so we've, we part, we've partnered with them um, to, to put uh, our work uh, into motion as well. That's great. Thank you for sharing that information with us. I know we're, our time is, is growing short. We could talk to you for forever yeah Feel, I, feels like we're having a a, a circle right here <laughs> of conversation yes we're, we're accompanying one another yes <laughs> you said that you began to identify as a christian in your teens i think you said 16 i can remember as a young teenager i signed up to go to this football camp And this football camp was sponsored by uh, a group called Athletes in Action. The the counselors at this camp were all the Pittsburgh Steelers, or not all of them, but many Pittsburgh Steelers. And I thought to myself, I plan on being a Steeler someday. This would be a great opportunity. And I can remember our first day at this camp. I was going into eighth grade. And I was meeting all, uh, uh, many of the Pittsburgh Steelers, guys who I, you know, had so deeply admired. I grew up in Pittsburgh. And they said, after dinner tonight, we're having huddle groups. And I thought to myself, we're going to have a chalk talk. I'm going to learn some football. This is great. This is everything I-, I hoped. And I was shocked when I got into that group after dinner that there was a big man. His name was Ron Wolfley, who was fullback for the Steelers, started really screaming at all of us about that there's a war going on for our soul and that we're going to go to hell if we don't commit our lives to Jesus Christ. I didn't even know what was going on. The word Christianity had never been in any brochure that I'd seen from athletes in action. Uh, My parents hadn't guided me at all. Mm. And I was I was shocked would be the appropriate word. In some ways, I felt like was this a bait and switch? And I saw this later as a coach in in, in a different manner. Often Uh, there would be members from 
these parachurch organizations that would meet our athletes the day that they're moving into the, the dorm. Nothing that I say here is particularly bad, but the intention I got suspicious of. There'd be a, a group of these organizers would help our players move into the dorm, and then they'd invite them to pizza, you know, a, a pizza party that night. And of course, what college freshman doesn't want to go get free pizza when all of a sudden then I've had players that would come to me and were like, I didn't know what it was, Shoop. I, you know, I, I, I had to leave coach or I, I had to figure this out. I really appreciate the transparency that you have with yours that you don't pretend it's something that it's not. And I was just wondering how at age 16, what was your story? Because I can remember after that camp, I, I was interested in Christianity. I wasn't sure what I was, but I sure didn't necessarily feel what that guy was telling me about. And I had to do some research on my own. The, the experience that I had is, is very similar to, to what you just shared. Um, you use the, the phrase bait and switch. And that's how I felt um, growing up in, in a non-denominational and evangelical setting when I was a teenager and then in college. Um, I didn't find the Episcopal Church and, until later on, but it was a bait and switch. There's sort of this, this it's almost comedic to a point, um, you know, someone's written a song about it of, of being taken to coffee yeah. um, as, as a queer person that you sort of get in with these groups and they love you and, you know, they're, they're over the top um, excited about you being there and yeah, you're fed and the, the worship music is cool. And, you know, you have all of a sudden have all these buddies around you. Um, and then for me, you know, as a teenager, then you get taken to coffee. And what that means is, uh, you know, you, you're like, I'm, I belong here. I've trusted you with my story. And now you're taking a coffee and, and told that, well, I love you. I love you so much. I need to tell you that, you know, being gay uh, is a sin and, you know, I need to hold you accountable. And so um, I need to share, this is on my heart to share with you. I, I can't not say this because I love you so much. Mm, goodness. And then all of a sudden it's this bait and switch moment of, I thought I belonged here. I thought these were my people. I was spiritually safe here. And now you're telling me that this, this piece of how I've been made and created to love and exist in the world is, is not only not okay, but, but there are eternal consequences for this. Um, and so now how am I supposed to show back up in this community? Um, you've, just now, you've just now exiled me from this, this place that I had thrown my heart and soul into. My distrust of these places that were seemingly so welcoming and cool just deepened. And so my hope with CAC is to be transparent, is to move at the speed of trust in relationship, mm -hmm. is to actually have guidelines in dialogue that help young adults know how to share well 
And what I mean by that is to share honestly, but not center raw vulnerability as the only way to connect into community because that actually is spiritually damaging long-term. And so how these circles are facilitated, um, it's going to take time to, to train and to equip and, and to walk alongside and to move slowly together to say, you don't need to bear your heart and soul at the pizza party um, in order to belong here. You can go slow. We can, we can work into this relationship together um, because I've been burned. And so that's what I would want. And so I, I completely relate to that, John. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll say it until I'm blue in the face and I'll say it until people can show up and have their own experience. But I'm not here to win seats in the pews. I'm not here to try to convert you to Christianity. My first promise to my dad when I was 16 and wanted to be baptized because my girlfriend was going to church was he made me promise that I would never try to coerce or con- convert anyone into Christianity. And I, as a teenager, I said, okay, dad, you know, cause I wanted to do it, but I've stuck to that vow. Um, my, my hope as a chaplain is you find your spiritual home place and it's our job to walk each other home. I have enough confidence in, in God, in the universe, in all that is, that that's more important than anything else, that we walk yeah. each other home. Yeah. Yeah. I always say, like, just making room for God to be God. Like, we don't have to do all that. <laughs> Marsha always... Marsha often tells me, let God do God's work. I don't have to do God's work. (laughs) Well, that's not that I don't have to do God's work. I say, let God be God. I don't have to do all of it. And I like the idea of moving at the speed of trust. Yeah. And just the idea of accompanying a person. The word accompany is a lot different than converting. Uh, yeah. trying to coerce or trying to convince a, a company is a welcoming word right. and all the language that you use and just the energy that you put out is, Oh, I wish I had yeah. it when I was in college. So grateful <laughs> for this conversation, Kelsey. Yeah. And, you know, Adrian Marie Brown that uses this phrase move at the speed of trust is talking about social transformation. And I mean, that's, that's really what you're talking about too. And it's what you're, you're inviting people into a space of not just personal, but, but cultural and collective transformation. So I'm sure there are people listening. They're like, I want to be a part of that or well, I want to learn more about that. How do they learn more? about Christian athlete circles and what you all are doing. I know you have a social media presence and an online presence. Do you want to tell our listeners some about that? Yeah. So we have um, a a website that you can go to um, christianathletecircles.org. You can also find us uh, on Instagram at Christian athlete circles. So you can, uh, there's a contact us form on our website. That if you fill that out, that comes right to my inbox. Um, I would love to, to connect with you, whether you want to start a circle, you're curious about su- supporting what we're doing, or you just want to chat and, and share your story. Um, I would love to connect with you. 
and, and definitely uh, look us up on Instagram and, and you can follow us there. It has been such a gift having you here today, Kelsey. We are grateful and I hope we can have you back another time someday and hear how things are going and and perhaps Georgia could join us too. I know she's in the thick of divinity school, which is, you know, arguably maybe a little bit more crazy than having a new baby. I don't know. (laughs) You've done both now. So it's, but, it's a toss up for sure. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It is. And but, I'm so glad we have you here in the Western North Carolina community. I yes. mean, that is just really special. You've been listening to Going Deep sports in the 21st century from the studios of Blue Ridge Public Radio, NPR for Western North Carolina. Tell us what you think of the show by emailing us at goingdeep at bpr.org. Make sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Shoops Going Deep.